In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. I'll start from reading uh, from James chapter 3, verse 2 to 12. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to riddle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and bows great things. See how great a force a little fire kindles, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body, and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt, water, and fresh. In this short passage, uh, St. James warns us about several things that the tongue causes. And I'm going to speak about five things very shortly and what we can do to overcome our tongue. And so the first thing St. James tells us, the tongue is a small member, and he compares it to, for example, the ship has a rudder that controls the destination of the ship. Or horses, we put bits in, their, in, in the horses' mouths in order to control where they go, to steer them. And so he's telling us basically the tongue determines the outcome or the destination of our life, determines our faith. That's why our Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 12, he says to us, for by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. Simply by our words there could be justification. And again, simply by our words there could be condemnation. And so what it is we speak determines the outcome of our life eternally. And so very often when we think about it, how often is it we've spoken certain words and we look back and we said, oh, how I wish I didn't say this. How I wish I didn't say this to this person. I wish I could take it back. Or maybe even electronically, we sent an email, we sent a text message, we sent, we posted something on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever, and we said, oh, how I wish this wasn't posted that quickly. And we regret it. That's why our the, the, the early Desert Fathers they were very aware of this. They were very aware of the tongue and its dangers. And so we have a great man like St. Arsenius the Great. St. Arsenius was so keen on guarding his tongue. He was the teacher of the emperor's sons in Rome. He was a very eloquent man. He was very knowledgeable. He knew how to speak very well. And yet he decided not only to leave the palace in Rome and go to the wilderness in Egypt, and become a monk, but he chose an even harsher life, that of silence. And he said, he used to say to, him, to, to, to those who came, I have often regretted over the words I have spoken, but never over the words I have not spoken. He never regretted not speaking, but he many, many times regretted the words that he had spoken. He lived a life of silence. Another one, Ava Agatun, he once took a pebble and placed it under his tongue for three years and left it there. Why did he do such a thing? And I'm not saying we need to live a life of silence or put a pebble under our tongue or not to do such things. But the principle, what is it they're doing? 
In Proverbs 21, 23, it says, so King Solomon says to us, whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. How much troubles have we encountered because of words we've spoken here on earth? And keeps our soul from trouble eternally as well as in what the Lord has said to us, by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. And we see this in Scripture. So the first thing, the tongue determines our faith. So we see this in Scripture. We have Christ on the cross. Our Lord Jesus Christ is crucified. And next to him are two thieves, one on his right, one on his left. One mocks him. One challenges him. If you are Christ, br come down and br come down and bring us down with you. The other one says nine words, remember me, O Lord, when you come into your kingdom. One was condemned, one was justified. The one who said nine words, very precise words, remember me, O Lord, when you come into your kingdom, heard the words we all wish to hear, today you will be with me in paradise. What beautiful thing this is, simply by their words. We hear about the parable of the publican and the tax collector, they're in the temple praying, the publican is beating his chest, saying, what? God be merciful to me, a sinner. He's in the back of the church, considers himself a sinner, doesn't dare to look up to heaven. Whereas the, the tax, the, sorry, the, the, yeah, the Pharisee is up front praying and saying, Lord, I thank you because you've, uh, you know, and, and you, I fast and I do this and I do that. And I'm not like that tax collector in the back of the church. He's so proud of himself. And Christ tells us, one walked out of the temple condemned, and again, one walked out justified. And so by our words, we determine the outcome of our prayers, we determine the outcome of our relationships, we determine the outcome of our eternity. By your words, you will be condemned, and by your words, you will be justified. The second thing St. James tells us is the tongue boasts great things. Meaning what? With my tongue, I praise myself, it's all about me, me, me. I want to speak about me. I want people to hear about me, my accomplishments, my deeds, my this, my that. And so me. And if I'm not saying it, if I'm not speaking with my tongue about myself, I want others to speak about me. So I kind of open the door for them or enable them to speak about me. In Acts chapter uh, 12, there's an example of this. It says, on a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration to them. So he spoke to the people. And the people kept shouting, the voice of a God and not of a man. Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God and he was eaten by worms and died. So what happened here? Herod was taking praise from people. People were, were saying the voice of a God, not of a man. And he was happy with this. And he was stealing the glory of God. And so here scripture is warning us, how many times is it with our tongue, I boast great things and I steal the glory of God. With my tongue, I steal his glory. I praise myself or I enable others to praise me and I don't ascribe glory to him. I don't praise him. I don't tell people, no, this is all due to his work in my life. And so I steal the glory of God and I boast great things. Number three, the tongue, he tells us, uh, causes fire, a world of iniquity. It can burn me or it can burn others in relationships. And so how often is it we're in a discussion with someone and as I say a word, I see the countenance or the facial expressions of the person in front of me completely change, completely transform. Or vice versa, somebody says a simple word to me 
And inside of me, I start boiling up. I start getting angry. My, my facial expressions goes again from maybe I was smiling to very upset and sad. Or even worse, I want to you know, harm the person in front of me. Why? Simply because of a word that was spoken. It's a fire. It set me on fire. Or it set the person in front of me on fire. Or I can set relationships on fire with a word. In Sirach, it, he, uh, he tells us, the tongue of a third person has disquieted many and scattered them from nation to nation. So the tongue of a third person has disquieted many, meaning what? For example, two, two people can have a conversation and I overhear them. And I come and I join. There could be an, an argument. Instead of being a peacemaker, I set things on fire. Or, for example, a couple or uh, you know, uh, a group of friends can be having problems with one another. A husband and a wife are in a, in a problem. They come to the priest. The priest settles things, calms them down. And they leave their happy. And then the in-law goes to one of them and says, what, you're going to let go of your rights? You're going to let them step all over you like this? And then the problems arise again. What did they do? They set the relationship on fire simply through their words by agitating them. And so very often we use our tongue for, 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 for the wrong, and we, we end up burning people or setting relationships on fire um, by the words we speak. And instead of being a peacemaker, someone who brings calm and serenity to things and extinguishing fires, we set uh, people and relationships on fire and uh, the fire that burns can also burn us so for example you know we burn ourselves especially electronically now you hear of things for example people posting things on Twitter or Facebook or whatnot and because of what they posted they lose their jobs and it's completely unrelated to their job but they post something discriminatory something racial something whatever it is and they end up losing their job because of their electronic tongue. So we have to watch out for what it is we say and be on guard for it can burn us, it can burn relationships, and it can burn people that we are dealing with. Number four, he tells us the tongue, basically it is unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Meaning what? The tongue is full of deadly poison. What does poison do? It harms, or in this case, he even tells us it's deadly. It can kill. It can kill. And so the power of the tongue is death. In Proverbs, he tells us, death and life are the power of the tongue. We can encounter death, and we can s kill someone with our tongue, or we can give life. That's why, again, in Sirach, we'll you know, some of the poisonous tongues, one is the hurtful tongue. So in Sirach, he tells us in Sirach 28, the stroke of a whip makes a blue mark, but the stroke of the tongue will break the bones. So I strike someone with a whip, I leave a mark. And it's going to go away in a bit. But I strike someone with my tongue, I will break their bones. I will hurt them severely. And so sometimes we say, but I lost my temper. Before you lose, if, if you're losing your peace, step away from a conversation. Don't lose, don't lose your temper and speak. Because if you do speak in the midst of losing your temper and getting angry and so on, you will say words that yes, you may regret later. That yes, you may say, well, I lost my temper and I'm sorry. But you may have broken bones, as Sirach says. The stroke of the tongue breaks the bones. And so I need to be careful for it is very hurtful and it can um, you know, basically uh, be deadly for the person. Another type of deadly poison is the slanderous tongue. 
Sometimes we speak about people behind their back, we gossip, we speak about things they did or maybe that they didn't even do. That's why Avadir Rathios of Gaza, he tells us what we, we, we harm ourselves. So we do not let you know, the words that we're speaking stop at harming us. But we harm ourselves and we go and look for another person and say, here's what happened. And we harm them and put vile sin into their heart and we do not fear the saying from Habakkuk, woe to the man who gives his neighbor something dark and dangerous to drink, but we do the devil's work and are not one bit concerned about it. We end up doing the devil's work when we slander, when we, we do this type of thing. And it's very hurtful because if you think about it, it's the reputation of a person that's on the line. When I speak about someone, when I slander them, I'm ruining their reputation. And how would I feel about this if somebody was speaking about me? Would I be willing to accept it just like that? Or would I be very upset about it? And so if I'm not okay with people speaking about me, even if I did something wrong, then maybe I should think many, many times over before I speak about someone else. There's a story about a desert father who went to his elder and he, he was struggling with his tongue. He was speaking about others. So the de desert father told him, go into the market, buy a pigeon. And on your way back, to me, so he's walking in the desert all the way to the market and coming back, it's a long walk. He tells him, take the pigeon and pluck its feathers and come to me. So he went, bought a pigeon, plucked the feathers on his walk back to, the to his, his elder in the desert, and he arrived. And so the elder asked him, you have the pigeon? He said, yes, Ava. He takes it out. He's like, so you plucked it? He's like, yes, go back and gather the feathers. Told him, I can't. It's like, why? By now the wind will have scattered all the feathers. He said to him, do you see what you do to people with your words? Once you speak them, even if you say sorry, you can't take them back. And so it is deadly poison. You've hurt the reputation. You've hurt them. Another type of deadly poison is that uh, the, the, the sometimes in, in our culture, we tend to not encourage. We're more critical than, than we should be sometimes. It's good to be critical and give positive criticism, but we also have to uplift one another. We have to encourage one another. And so we need to learn to encourage each other, not always be critical, but offer up encouragement so that we can raise each other in the right path. Ava Anthony the Great, there's a story about this, this young monk who was in a monastery, and he had committed a certain sin. And so the monks kicked him out of the monastery. And so he went to Ava Anthony, and Ava Anthony gave him a cell near him, and he monitored him constantly. Until he was reassured that he was on the right spiritual path and he was strong again, he told him, okay, go back to your monastery. So he went back to his monastery and the monks refused to accept him. And so Ava Anthony sent a message to these monks and he said to them, a boat was shipwrecked at sea and lost its cargo. With great difficulty, it reached the shore. And so basically speaking about this monk, he was shipwrecked at sea, he was drowning in the sea. And with great difficulty, we brought him to a good spiritual state again. Then he says to them, but you want to throw into the sea that which has found a safe harbor on the shore. Now that we brought him back to safety, you want to throw him back into the sea to drown again. And so sometimes when we are so critical, people get lose their self-esteem. They, 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 they fall into despondency, despair, and so on, and they lose hope. And so encouragement gives hope. Encouragement lifts people up and helps them continue on the struggle and um, the spiritual path.
Number five, so we said number one, the tongue determines our fate. It, number two, it boasts great things. Number three, it's a fire that can burn us, others, relationships, and so on. Number four, it's a uh, the poisonous tongue. That, that uh, It's deadly poison, basically. And number five, he warns us of the double tongue, the hypocritical tongue. He says, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing, my brethren, these things ought not to be so. And so it's either one or the other. We have to have integrity. We cannot have a double tongue. I cannot come to church, for example, and be praising and glorifying and worshiping and walk out and cuss and lie and, and so on. I cannot come to church and say to Abuna, Abuna, I kiss your hands and I, 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 you know, you're, you're, you're the, the angel of the church and, uh, you know, absolve me and so on. And I go out and I speak about Abuna negatively or the bishop or, or, or the patriarch or whatever it is. You know, and so the double tongue. I cannot come to church and be praying, and then in my inner room, be very angry with my kids or my spouse or whatnot, and 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 cursing them for whatever it is they did. And so the double tongue. I need to watch out for hypocrisy. But what is what is it that I can do? So, so we all we all tr struggle with the tongue. What is it that I can do to overcome my tongue? Suppose I lie. Suppose I speak hurtful things. Suppose I slander. Suppose I cuss. What can I do? Number one, we must start with the heart. The Lord tells us, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. So it's not just a matter of training my mouth but purifying my heart. I must work on my heart and purifying it. And that requires, of course, on a daily basis to stand before the Lord and to examine what's in my heart. What did I do today? And as I do this, I empty my heart in repentance of all the garbage that's in it. And of course, I go to confess and so on. So repentance and confession enables me to purify my heart. But I, I don't stop there. For he tells me, out of the good treasure of the heart, brings forth the, uh, the, the sorry a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things so there has to be good treasure and this good treasure is the word of god so as i work on purifying my heart i must also fill it with good treasure i must fill it with the word of god which is why i must meditate and read scripture on a daily basis scripture not only purifies but it provides the treasure that we're looking for the treasure that will enable me to speak good things constantly and so do i read scripture is scripture an important part of my life in psalm 118 in in the Igbeya in the book of hours or 119 in, in the bible it's 176 verses out of 176 verses the psalmist speaks about the word the law the commandments the ordinances the precepts of the lord the statutes of the lord and so on in 171 verses he's preoccupied with the word of god constantly in it he says in in, uh, in in verse 9 i believe he says how can a young man cleanse his ways or in another version how can a young man keep his way pure and it continues by taking heed according to your word so i want purity of heart i want to be pure in this society i live in i want to be cleansed of my impurities he tells me the key by taking heed according to your word. A few verses later, I think in verse 13, it says, I have kept your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
I kept your word in my heart because I do not want to sin against you, Lord. Do we have that desire to be pure, to keep his word in our hearts and to meditate on it day and night that I may be pure and, and, and stand before the Lord that way? There's a story about a woman. She goes and visits her, her brother. And the, the, the brother has a young, so she has a nephew, basically, a young boy. And he's playing on the ground. And then he looks up at her. And so she looks at him. And she's like, is everything okay? So he says to her, yes, auntie, but I have a question. Are you a Christian? She says to him, yes. So he says to her, do you love Jesus? So she says, yes. So she, he asks again, how come you don't speak about him? If you love him, why don't you speak about him? So she says, well, we don't always speak about those uh, whom we love. We may love a person without speaking about them. And so the nephew answers innocently, can we really? Is that possible? Because I hear you always speaking about me, about mom, about dad, about your brothers and sisters, about your parents, about your friends, but I never hear you speak about Jesus. And so she starts thinking, she's like, I suppose you're right. So he walks away and he turns back to her and winks at her and he says, let's talk about Jesus together because I love him too. And so do we speak about him? What's in my heart? Is the word of God in my heart that I'm able, at the very least with those that have the same principles, to speak about him? Or are our talks useless all the time, vain talk? We go and we finish the liturgy and we sit in the hall. What do we speak about? We're all here together in a church setting. What do we speak about? Because if in the church setting we struggle, what are we doing outside? Number two, as I work on purifying my heart and filling it with good, there are times, you know, I'm not there yet. And so how, wh what should I do? The Bible tells me, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. I need to learn to become a good listener. Listen a lot more and speak a lot less. Speak less, listen more. In Sirach chapter 28, he tells us, make balances and scales for your words and bar and bolt the door of your mouth. Make balances and scales for your words, meaning what? Every word I'm going to speak, let me weigh it very finely. Let me see, is it worth speaking? And not only that, after I've made, I've, I've taken those words and made balances and scales and weighed them very finely, and I'm sure, yes, I want to speak this. Now that I have a bar and a bolt on my mouth, if, if we just let our imagination run loose and we picture this, I have a bar and a bolt. I must open all this. It takes effort, it takes time. And so after I've waited, I still have to open the bar and bolt. That means the process is long. I don't speak so quickly. I weigh and I don't let things out. So it's not a matter of think twice. No, it's think a thousand times before you speak, before you say something and weigh it very finely to make sure it is worth saying. Because if I do this, then I will be guarding, like in what we said in the beginning in Proverbs 21, I will be guarding my mouth and tongue, and then I'll be keeping my soul from troubles. And when we look at the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, every word was said with precision. That's why in Luke chapter 12, it says, uh, sorry, Luke chapter 11, verse 54, it says to us that about the, the Pharisees and scribes and so on, that they were lying in wait for him and seeking to catch him in something he might say that they might accuse him. They were seeking to catch him in something he might say with his words and hold on to it. 
But in Luke 20, verse 26, it says to us, but they could not catch him in his words. He never said anything without precision. He said, it, and so we can learn from him to make balances and scales for our words and bar and bolt the door of our mouth. Number three, as I work on purifying my heart, as I work on being a better listener and you know, speaking less, there are times where I need to speak, where I should speak. And so again, in Ephesians, Verse uh, chapter 4, verse 29, he says to us, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. So if I am going to speak, let me ask myself, do I speak what is, for necessary, what is necessary for edification? Do I speak and I impart, uh, I impart grace to my hearers? Do I speak and people leave like they f and they feel like they've gained something from what I said? Or is my speech, again, useless speech? And so we can think about it. When I speak, you know, one, one way we can edify one another, like we said, of course, sharing words of Scripture together, how the Lord touched our lives, but also spiritual books. Maybe I read something, a story in a spiritual book, and I can share it with someone. This can lead us to, to, to motivate the other. A person may hear a story and be motivated to go read. I remember years ago when I was a teen, or maybe in my early 20s, I don't remember, but like when I was much young, yani five years ago when I was much younger, <laughs> um, a friend of mine was driving me home, and he shared a story from a book. Very simple story, but I was in awe. I couldn't believe the story that he told me. So I asked him, what book is this from? So he told me. So I asked him, do you have the book? He said, no, I, I lent it to so-and-so. Uh, but I'll give it to you when, when, when I get it back. I couldn't wait. The next morning I went and bought the book because I just wanted to read that one story. And I didn't know where in the book it was. It turned out it was towards the end of the book. But I ended up reading the entire book, which was beautiful and very inspiring and had many, many good messages simply because what? Of a story. He shared a story that edified me and led me to be even more edified through reading. And so do we do such things with one another? Do we motivate each other to do good? Um, our words, you know, can be beneficial to the other or they can destroy, like we said. There is a story about this, this uh, woman. She keeps fighting with her mother-in-law. And they're fighting, like, constantly, and she can't stand her mother-in-law. This is a fictitious story. So um, she keeps fighting with her mother-in-law, and she can't stand her anymore. And so she goes to this elder and she says to him, okay, you know what? I can't stand my mother-in-law. I want to get rid of her. Do you have any herbs that I can use in order to basically kill her? So he says to her, yes, I have the perfect thing. It's going to take about seven months for, you to, to, for it to really work, but I can only give it to you on one condition. You promise me that when you go back, you speak loving words to your mother-in-law, you, you, you do good to her, you show her love, you smile in her face, and so on, because I do not want anyone to suspect you or me in killing her. So she says, yes, anything, I'll do it. I promise you, give it to me. So he gives her the herbs. She goes home, she's happy that she's finally going to get rid of her mother-in-law. So she puts it in the tea and gives her the tea. And so she, starts, she drinks it, she doesn't feel anything, and it's good. So... She fulfills her promises day after day. She starts by speaking loving words, washing the dishes, doing chores around the house, smiling in her face, and so on. 
And then the mother-in-law starts reacting to this and also saying kind words, doing, helping her out around the house, uh, you know, saying loving words to her and so on and so forth. And the love between them grows. And within a few months, they were loving each other again. And their relationship was so strong. And so she runs back to this elder and she says to him, help me. So he's like, what's going on? Is she dead? And she says, no, 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 I, she's not dead. I don't want her to die. So he says to her, relax. What I gave you were strengthening herbs. But do you see, and there's a, a, a passage in Proverbs 16, 24, how pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Pleasant words are health to the bones. We said in Sirach, he told us, the stroke of the tongue breaks the bones. And here in Proverbs, he tells us, pleasant words are health to the bones. And so we have a choice to break bones or to bring health, to edify or to destroy. And so what, it is, what is it we do with our tongue? Number four, so as I work on purifying my tongue, as I work on listening more and speaking less, as I work on speaking, when I have to speak, speaking what is for edification, I need to also pick the right time. In Ecclesiastes 3.7, he says to us, there is a time to be silent and a time to speak. And so maybe the person in front of me, yes, I want to speak something edifying to them, but it's not the right time. The person will not receive it. The person will not accept what it is I'm going to say because maybe they're exhausted, maybe they just came home from work, they had a rough day, whatever it is, it's not the time. So I need to be wise in picking my time. There's an example, a, a children's story, but I like it, so I'll share it. There's a children's story about this, um, this lion in the, in the wilderness, yani in the jungle. One morning he wakes up and his wife tells him, you know what, your breath is bad and unpleasant. So he gets angry and he walks out and he finds the sheep. So he says, hello, my friend, the sheep. Tell me, does my mouth smell bad? So the sheep smells, and he says to him, yes, your, uh, your majesty, uh, there seems to be something wrong with your breath. And so he gets angry, hits him, kills him, and eats him up. And so word around the jungle is the sheep told the lion the truth. His mouth smells bad, and the lion got really angry. So the lion goes off and finds the wolf. And so he says to the wolf, uh, does, is there something wrong with my breath? And so the wolf heard what happened to the sheep, so he says to him, who says that your majesty's breath smells bad and is unpleasant? It is as sweet as the smell of roses. And so the lion heard this. He got really angry, hit him, killed him, and ate him up. And he says to him, basically, you flatterer and liar. And so word around the jungle is the lion's not happy with the truth. Neither is he happy with the lie. His breath is horrible, and nobody knows what to do. And so he finds the fox, and he says to him, hello, my friend, the fox asks him the same question. And so the fox starts coughing and he says, forgive me, your majesty, I have a cold, I cannot smell. And so the point, so basically he's saying I can't smell, he's avoiding the answer. The point of the story isn't, of course we shouldn't lie, we shouldn't be deceiving, so we shouldn't do what the fox did, but we should be wise in choosing the time. For the lion right now, he's angry, he's unable to accept the truth or the lie. He's unable to accept anything. So at this point in time, anything one says to this lion will not help. But if I wait a little, his anger subdues. He's relaxed, and we can speak to him. Then maybe he'll accept the truth. Then maybe he'll accept what is for edification. And so it is in our lives. 
Another thing about picking the right time is, for example, how we use our tongue in the church, both the electronic tongue and our tongue uh, verbally. Of course, we're quiet usually in the church with our, our physical tongue. We don't speak to each other much. There's generally a sense of, of reverence in that way. But sometimes we have our phones on and we check our messages. We check, we get an alert, a notification, and we look. And so it takes us away from the spirit of prayer. We end up looking at our messages. Should I respond? Should I not? Even if I don't respond, it plays in my mind while I'm praying. And so it distracts me. And so there's a time for me to speak electronically, and there's a time to be silent. And so when I enter the church, I should put my phone on airplane mode. So I train myself for this silence. So I train myself not to be distracted. That's why Ava Makarios, the great, one time they finished the services in the church, and he told the brothers, the monks, flee, my brothers, flee. So one of the monks came to him and he said to him, Ava, we're in the wilderness. There's nothing around us. Where shall we flee to? He, said, he pointed to his mouth, and he did this, and he said, flee from this. Flee from this. And Ava Makarios walked out, went to his cell, and locked himself in. Flee from this. And so in the church, let us learn the lesson of Ava Makarios and flee from our tongue. And finally, the last thing, but the very important thing, is we should imitate King David in Psalm 141 in, in Scripture. Every night we pray, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth, keep watch over the door of my lips. We should see the importance of guarding our tongue, and we should ask the Lord to guard over our mouth, to set a guard over our mouth and keep watch over the door of our lips. If it is important for me, if I see the importance and the dangers of the tongue and the importance of guarding my tongue, then I will ask for it in prayer. Yes, I've made many mistakes, Lord, with my tongue. We've all made mistakes with our tongue, but I can start now. I can make a decision now today and turn to the Lord and say, Lord, please purify my tongue. Purify my heart that I may speak what is good. Give me the wisdom to read your word, Lord, that I may fill my heart with what is good, that I may speak what is edifying, that I may speak what is edifying and not break bones, but rather heal bones, that I may speak what is, you know, speak blessings and not curses, that I may be a peacemaker and not a troublemaker. And so let us make balances and scales for our mouths, for, for our words, and barn bolt the door of our mouth and ask the Lord in prayer to truly guard our, our mouth and our lips that we may speak what is edifying and I'll share one final story before I end to show you the importance of guarding our mouth and our tongue to keep our soul from troubles one time a boy uh, who used to lose his temper a lot and would make a lot of mistakes with people went to his dad and his dad told him okay my son I have a, an exercise for you he took him out to the backyard gave him a box of nails and said to him every time you hurt someone with your tongue I want you to come here in the evening and put a nail. So if you hurt someone uh, X number of times today, then you put X number of nails. So he said, okay, that. So the next day, he kept this in mind. And I can't remember the number, but he did, for example, 25 mistakes. He hurt people 25 times in the day. So he came back and put 25 nails in the fence. The day after, because he had this exercise in mind and he didn't want to repeat the number of the 25 mistakes he wanted to improve, he kept it in mind. So yeah, he made mistakes, but it was a little less, let's say 20. 
And this is what accountability does to us. When we have a spiritual guide and I go to him, then he gives me an exercise. He tells me, watch out for this. The fact that he told me this, I keep it in mind. And I know I don't want to go back to my spiritual father and say the exact same thing. And so it pushes me. It pushes me to do what is right. Even if I make the mistakes, I do it less and less and less. So this boy over a number of days, you know, 20 times, 18 times, uh, 10 times, 5 times and so on, until one day he went to his dad and he's like, Dad, I, I didn't hurt anyone today. So he says to him, great, come with me. He went to the backyard. He said to him, for every day that you do not make any mistake, I want you to remove just one nail. So he said to him, okay. And so day after day, the boy was guarding his tongue and he wasn't making mistakes anymore with his tongue and so it took him a few months in order to remove all the nails and then finally he goes to his dad and he's like dad i did it i removed all the nails so he says to him good job my boy takes him to the backyard again and he says to him what do you see he says i see the fence and so he says to him what do you see in the fence and he told him i see a bunch of holes and these are the holes we create in people these are the holes the nails we put in people, even if we say sorry, there's this hole that we've left in there. And so we need to be on guard. We need to be vigilant. We need to be careful for the mark of the tongue or the, the stroke of the tongue breaks the bones. And so let us use pleasant words to heal bones rather than strike someone with our tongue and break their bones. And so today we can stand before the Lord and ask him to guard to set a guard over our mouth and to, to, to protect our lips from speaking anything evil, that we may speak what is for edification and ultimately to, to use words that are for justification. For by your words you'll be justified and by your words you'll be condemned. And to our God be the glory now and ever and unto the age of the ages. Amen. Finally, O Lord, make us worthy to pray thankfully. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but those from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now the love of God the Father, the grace of his only begotten Son, our Lord, God, and Savior Jesus Christ, the kingdom gift of the Holy Spirit be with you. Go in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you all.